0: Colossians 3, and as you go there, I want you to think about the the context. Paul is writing to people just like us, who are immersed in, in fact, the city of Colossae was right in the most civilized part of the Roman Empire, the most cosmopolitan, the most, what we would call secular, and those people had been forgiven, they had come to Christ, and Paul was telling them how they can continue that walk in Christ. And, and look what he says in chapter 3, verse 1. If then you were wa- raised with Christ, actually literally since you were raised with Christ, so seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Did you see the, the home page, as it were? Did you know if you have a computer, it has to open to something? You, you set that, or Dell, or microsoft or apple will set it for you but if you get to set it you get to pick where it opens you know what god says right here verse 2 set your minds on things above the opening screen the behind the scenes focal point of all that you do he said is verse 1 look at the end where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Do you know why we've launched into chapter four and five? Chapter four and five of Revelation that we're, we're spending weeks in is all about this place we're all to have as our home page. that we're all to have as where we're set, where our minds have been placed and anchored. In fact, that's, that was Paul's orientation. He says, I go through life, I'm a citizen of heaven. I go through life, I'm a citizen of heaven. You see, he was set. He knew where he was going. He knew what was going on. He was, he was tracking with where his home page was set. And this morning, I, I want you to think about how vital this study is. And maybe for some of you, it's just interesting. You know, it's kind of like stuff you've never heard before. Far more than that, it's the setting that we're to have our heart and mind. And as the old King James says, our affections where we're focused on. So this morning most of our lives are dominated by the physical world what do i mean by that well our health the weather our family our car our job and everything else but the scriptures that we hold are the the tool that god wants to use to to change the pointer of our heart and mind and life away from being dominated by the physical world. And the scriptures were designed to transport our minds away from that to be pointed toward the spiritual world. And see, the scriptures are the way that we reorient our minds. It's kind of like the the emergency disk when things don't go well. They give you a little dish, put it in your computer, and it just fixes everything. That's what the scriptures do it it fixes where we're supposed to be pointed it, it reorients us paul explained this process to the colossians he says in verse one set your mind or or your focal point in verse two uh set your mind your phroneo is literally the word and he says that's the processor that that is what is always operating in the background set that operating system and point it toward me now, now think about the people he was talking to. Paul was telling them that they still had to live out their life in the Roman Empire. By the way, most of them were stuck where they were for life. They didn't have choices. They were slaves. They didn't pick their master. Their master bought them. They didn't have wages. They worked for their whole life for no pay. They had no advancement. They had no, no opportunity to look forward to something. They were going to do the same thing until they couldn't do it anymore. And did you know, to those people that were literally stuck, Paul says, you know how you live every day in the Roman Empire? In your poverty, in your adversity, or whatever you're in? He says this way. He says, set your mind on things above. You can live life on earth in a transformed way when you learn to focus on where your citizenship is, where you're headed, where God asks us to look, and that is at christ seated on the right hand of the throne of god well we're actually spending a long time looking at the things above the throne room of the universe this this whole series is all about the things that are above and the focal point of everything is that throne and and the one that is seated on that throne and the one that is in the midst of that throne and that is so much doing what paul said we're supposed to do god's word explains for us in great detail the throne And the throne is described, as we're looking at this morning, with vivid sounds and sights, and those surround the throne. But what I want you to think about specifically is that the throne room of God is the place where our worship just arrived. If if you were engaged in that whole string of songs this morning, the Scriptures portray it like a a sacrifice being burned on an altar of some kind and as that sacrifice that sacrificial animal was consumed it it became ashes and smoke and the ashes stayed behind but the smoke rose and the old testament says that god would come over the rising worship through the sacrificial burnt sacrifice coming up and it says that he would he would smell the fragrance coming up now i know a lot of what that's like uh in the physical world sense because when i drive into the garage often at night did you know i can smell what's cooking i can smell it out in the garage and i mean i just can't wait and i I tromp up and i i come in and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger but i can rarely resist the temptation to do what what do men always do they always yeah take that lid off and Mm, you know and you know enjoy the fragrance of that meal god says i am drawn similarly to what you humans do with your meals i am drawn to the offering of your worship and god says he doesn't just sniff them it says he inhabits them it's like he's standing in that cloud and allowing it to just come over him he loves in fact john 4 says he seeks that that cloud of worship from our lives and so That throne is where our worship arrives. And while we're gathered here and we have those songs of worship to God in heaven reverberating still, the words in our hearts from the first part of our gathering, something is happening. God is receiving and and that worship is rising before him. And he he is enjoying what we just gave him. You have to realize that this is not static, that we're doing something and he's doing something. And we're supposed to be doing our part and he is waiting for it. He's waiting for that offering of our lives. And it's not just on Sunday morning. You don't need to be in here and have the screen on and you know all this going on. The Bible says so many parts of our life can be transformed into worship that rises before him. What we're doing, what we're saying, our thoughts, every word of our prayers, even the gifts You know, it says in the Scriptures that our gifts and offerings are an offering of worship, a sacrifice to Him. So every part and each of those actions that originate from our redeemed hearts and from our redeemed minds rise above us and rise out of South Drake Road, and they go up to the throne of God. Now, what we're doing over these last few weeks is we're looking at video clips God left embedded in his word the first one we saw was the clip of of job chapter one and all the hosts of heaven and the accuser coming and then we saw isaiah six and the shaking and the clouds of smoke and the holy holy holies but we're going to look at the longest clip this morning but before we do that let me explain what we're looking for the longest one is in ezekiel one it's the most unusual but what i want you to understand is what happens in heaven as we sing, as we give, while we worship, what is happening in heaven? Most of us think of heaven in the past. You know, Jesus came down and was born in the, in the manger, you know, in the stable, and put in the manger and the angels and all that. That's heaven in the past. Or we think of heaven in the future where it bursts open and he comes with us and all the armies of heaven riding on those horses. But you know what we don't often focus on? Instead of heaven past, heaven future, you know what we need to think about? Heaven now. What's going on now? What is God tracking with now? What are we sending up now? That, that's why Paul said, set your, your homepage up there and, and kind of keep in track with what's going on and what he wants and what he's expecting and what he's looking for from our lives. And so this morning, God's word can take us on angel wings to see the very center of the universe, the throne of God in heaven. And after a few moments, we can get in touch with what God is doing. And by the way, God must have wanted us to notice what he's doing in heaven because each time he sends us a little clip, that little clip that God sends, that little video, is always presented. Heaven is always presented in glorious technicolor and surround sound. I mean, we're talking about it's not dull. God doesn't, doesn't send any black and white pictures of heaven. Rather, he has, has sent these, these full color with sounds. I mean, we even hear the sounds of what's going on up there. And and if we, and, and that's why I'm always perplexed. Why would someone want to read some person's speculations about heaven when you can read the real thing? You know, it's kind of like, remember the astronauts? They used to eat those... those plastic squeezed, dried, you know, little meals and they would just inject water in them. And I thought, who would ever want to eat that unless you're up there as an astronaut when you can have a real meal? You know? And and sometimes some of these books are coming out, they're so they're so artificially changed that you miss the wonder, the vivid color and sounds. Not that are speculated, but that God has said are really in heaven. Well the size, the sights, the sounds of heaven are immense. They're beyond what most of us could ever fully understand. In fact, I'm still struggling with the colors. I mean, the, the, the amazing colors of heaven. They're everywhere. And, and just to, to think of having that color scheme is just phenomenal to me as well as all the other. But if we were to distill down what we're going to see, the most frequent descriptions of heaven would be the sight of fire. That is everywhere, fire. I mean, the... the, uh, the angels that are coming most of them are described as from the waist down looking like glowing hot metal on fire now that's an interesting sight the throne of god is actually not just sapphire and jasper it's on fire daniel said it's continuously burning god is a hebrews 12 29 consuming what yeah fire and then we look at there's a river of fire that flows out from the throne constantly, Daniel 7. So fire is just huge. But on top of the fire, there's also the sounds, the sound of thunder, the sound of voices, flashes of lightning. You know what it says? That, that between these, these orbiting cherubs, the cherubim, that, that they move like flashes of lightning. And when they're not moving, flashes of lightning go between them. I remember uh, 8th grade, I think it was, Hazlitt sent all of the 8th graders to the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. And somewhere there, they had one of those Telsa or whatever it is, it's just a round silver ball on this little thing and it radiates out electrical flashes. And I remember just just being, all of us were just watching and they would crank it up and it would just go, you know, like that. And I thought, wow. And I had no idea then that that was just a small taste of what is going on around the throne at all times. And then behind that is the sparkle of gold that's clear. There's crystal that is described that, that, is, that is absolutely pure, but it, it radiates the light, kind of like a, a well-cut diamond in someone's ring, that, that when you hold it up, it just looks like it's on fire. It's radiating and refracting all that light. And then there are precious stones But God's really into celestial beauty because he shares it with us. And here, if you turn back now to Revelation 4, I want to go to the primary source with you. Revelation 4, that's our text. And by the way, it's so important to stay, and that's what we're doing, stay every bit of our study of the scene of heaven around the throne. We need to base every bit of it on the text that God wrote in the scriptures. If we just work with his word, it's astounding. We don't need any additions. We don't need wild imaginations. Just what he says is, is staggering. But Revelation chapter 4, and what I want you to see with me is, and we're going to look at the first six verses, and there are five prepositional phrases. Now, basically, as you read this, in fact, I, I wish I had my little uh, gizmo I'm going to use tonight, my, this... Um, well, you'll see it tonight. But, uh, uh, you know, you draw on it. And it fixes what you draw on everything. It projects all kinds of stuff. But I, I wish that, that I could show you, uh, I'd pop up on there, a, a word tree. You know, if you took Revelation 4 and, and did a, the words and, and, and put them in the clauses and the phrases, you know what it'd see? The very first one is throne. And then there are five prepositional phrases that all are attached to throne. In fact, we're going to see them in the text, but it's on the throne, around the throne, from the throne, before the throne, and in the midst of the throne. You know what it is? It's kind of like, it's not just saying take a glance, it's take a... Look at this throne from every possible angle. Look who's on the throne. Look who is around the throne. Look at what's coming from the throne. Look what's in the midst of the throne. Look what surrounds the throne. I mean, it's just every possible, instead of having a two, one camera or a two camera, it's a five camera, five different ways of looking at this throne. Well, let's see that as we open our Bibles to Revelation 4, 1 through 6, we're actually going to project it up on the screen so we can all read it, okay? So let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. You can follow along in your Bible, but if you want to read with us, we're going to read these words and notice these prepositional phrases all focusing on the throne, which is what we should be doing too. Let's read together verse 1. Immediately I was in the Spirit... And behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones, I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads and from the throne proceeded lightnings thunderings and voices seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal and in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes front and back wow let's bow together father I pray that we would fulfill what Paul asked us as he asked the Colossians to do to set our minds to Go in the operating system and type in a new home page. That whenever our minds fire up, that they first are set on things above. That they are first set on you, who paid such a great price to purchase us, to redeem us, to forgive us. And you are seated. The work on the cross is done, and you are seated at the right hand Of the throne of the majesty on high and I pray that you would use this morning to be a little piece of our resetting our minds upon your throne upon you seated upon our salvation once and for all completed and as we celebrate communion a little later may we do it completely focused on the wonder that we have access not just to be a spectator But we're related to the one on the throne we are your children your brothers and sisters fellow heirs and that's why our interest our home page our citizenship is there in heaven open our hearts and minds teach us uh, unite our hearts to focus on you in the name of jesus we pray amen Maybe seated as you're seated, just look back at Revelation uh, verse two. We see the one on the throne. Um, it's of course God. Uh, uh, God is a spirit. You can never see God, but if you see something, it's a theophanic. It's a theophany. It's a way for us who can't see spirits to see something. And so that's why he's described, you know, burning in an image and clouds and everything, because he's a spirit. But he he gives an indicator uh, that he's there verse 4 our special representatives are around the throne Uh, that's the 24 elders that that represent us and when we get a little bit deeper we'll talk about that and talk about them Uh, then in verse 5 we witness the mysterious happenings from the throne it says ek out from the throne are lightnings thunderings and voices and they're not just here they show up these thunderings and rumblings and voices are just uh Part of the the awesome mysteriousness of the throne, um, the end of verse five and verse six talks about before the throne, those seven flames and the sea of glass, and then finally the end of verse six it says, and in the midst of the throne, uh, it, it's just this this whole idea of looking everywhere, looking at the throne and everything that surrounds it. But uh, what what's interesting with just this little this little passage we read. We don't quite get the flavor. We, it's it almost is static when we look at it, and so that's why, if you want to turn to the book of Ezekiel, let's go to the video clip now. Uh, Ezekiel chapter one, and Ezekiel and uh, it's kind of hard to find. It's uh, to the right of the Psalms. You go uh, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Actually, it's closer to Matthew, if you just back up from the New Testament. But it's a big book there. Look at Ezekiel one. And I want you to think about what you're turning to. You're turning, in fact, tonight, I don't know if I'll get into that when I talk about how we got our Bible, but the book of Ezekiel opens in chapter 1. It says, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel in verse 3. And so this this is an example of inspiration that God reaches down in the 6th century B.C. Ezekiel is is one of these who was involved in the, the time period when Jerusalem was being destroyed by the Babylonians. And the context of chapter 1 of Ezekiel is all about this, this, this ominous northern enemy coming down. Israel was always captured from the north. The, every enemy realized, because the city is built on a slope like this, that if you're on the north side, all the battle is downhill. Your catapults go further, your arrows go further. So, I mean, any wise uh, attacker wouldn't come where the walls are 40 feet high. He'd come to where they're only 15 feet high and use gravity To pummel the city and so every attack came from the north and the attack is coming and and ezekiel is is having the lord give him a vision he's an exiled jewish priest ezekiel had served in that temple that was being destroyed he was he was one who loved the lord and and had been captured in one of the earlier attacks dragged off to modern day iraq ancient babylon And so here is a Jew dragged off in captivity from Jerusalem, now exiled in Babylon or Iraq, writing these words. And what he writes is, starting in verse 1, I call Ezekiel's vision of heaven. Because if you look at it, it's not merely talking about the, the judgment of God coming in Babylon's attack because all of a sudden this cloud from the north turns into a cloud of fire we're going to see that all of a sudden reveals and opens up and you see the cherubim and the throne of god and you see the one sitting on the throne so basically what it's saying is the babylonians are coming to attack but they're actually in the the service of the throne of god they are accomplishing What God wanted but let's look at Ezekiel's vision of heaven first of all verse 1 Ezekiel gets to look through the door that stands open in heaven by the way only five times does God ever open the door of heaven and let us look inside and this is one of them in Ezekiel it says in verse 1 it came to pass in the 30th year in the fourth month in the fifth day of the month I was among the captives by the river Kibar that the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God heavens opened five times this happens and that's exactly what we found happened in revelation 4 1. it says the door of heaven was standing open in revelation 4. this is one of the times in ezekiel another time is right here in revelation between those two at christ's baptism it says the heavens open remember and god shared his delight in christ uh, that's in Mark 3, Luke 3, uh, I mean, Matthew 3, Luke 3, and Mark 1. The heavens opened at the baptism. That's one scene. At Stephen's death, Acts 7, I love this one. As Stephen's being stoned to death, at, as that process was going on, the scriptures tell us he looked up, and as he looked up, it said, The heavens opened, and he saw the throne of God, and Jesus, who normally sits at the right hand of the Father, stood up to show God's compassion at the death. Of his saints and and it's just a beautiful picture the third time the heavens are open is when that sheet came down in acts chapter 10 i remember uh, peter was waiting for lunch and getting hungry and 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 all of a sudden the heavens opened and the sheet came down a pretty white sheet and when he looked in the sheet it was filled with unclean animals and it was a picture that god was preparing him for what peter thought was unclean a gentile coming to get the gospel and god's desire for us gentiles to be saved so And then Revelation 4. But basically, it's it's this idea of the door of heaven standing open. Now, secondly, look at verse 4. God's throne is first seen by Ezekiel, surrounded by clouds of raging fires. He says, And I looked and behold, verse 4 of Ezekiel 1, a whirlwind. Now it's interesting, the Hebrew is not a whirlwind like has been going this way around the south here in the United States recently, with all the dozens of people been killed and injured. This one is not one of these kind. It was one of these kind. It says it's an enfolding upon itself. So it was like um, whirlings that were coming inward and enfolding upon themselves. Kind of like when you look down in the mixer and and see the the enfolding. Uh, If your wife's making a cake, you can tell I'm hungry. I keep thinking about all the stuff she makes. But uh, this whirlwind, this enfolding coming out of the north. But look at this. The next element is, verse 4, a great cloud. Now, just in your minds think about this that God is most often represented in the Old Testament with a cloud when when the tabernacle was instituted this cloud came from above and settled and, and it filled with this glorious light like fire and then the cloud hovered overhead when the temple was dedicated and Solomon put up that platform that cloud came down Whenever the children of Israel were being led during the exodus in the the time of wandering, there was this cloud that glowed like a pillar of fire at night. It was a cloud during the day, huge. It shadowed them. At night, it became a pillar of fire. All of these, even, I always think of this one. I mean, this is the one that would have really been something to see. The Bible says that there was this little cloud, just a tiny one, that hovered and it, it enfolded and it was like burning clouds and flames inside that was right above the Ark of the Covenant. Now remember, the Ark of the Covenant was in the Holy of Holies, which is a totally sealed, no-light room with heavy curtains. No light at all could penetrate that place. But when the high priest came in once a year and walked in probably shaking with his little incense thing, making smoke and carrying his little bit of blood, when someone pulled back that curtain, the first thing his eye caught was that fire enfolding upon itself right above the mercy seat, which was the the Shekinah, the glory of the Lord. So God is always represented by this cloud. Theologians call this a theophonic cloud. Theophany theophonic. It, it's a cloud that represents God. And and it's here. And by the way, that's exactly what we find in Revelation revelation 1 7 says behold he's coming in the clouds every eye will see him and they'll start mourning and crying when the glory of god appears at the second coming and second thessalonians says it's a flaming fire cloud because in flaming fire he comes taking vengeance and so it's the same exact picture look at verse 7 the ones that ezekiel sees surrounding god's throne sparkle with the light of his glory it says there verse 7 these cherubim their legs were straight the soles of their feet were like soles of calves feet now look at this they sparkled like the color of burning brass earlier the word amber is used uh, it's like like glowing metal but this word sparkle is fascinating it, it's it's used two ways outside of this passage it's used for when a tight bud like of some you know almond tree or of a rose or of a tulip is all tight like that and all of a sudden it goes poof and it it bursts open and it just comes out or it's used when you're pouring a drink uh, carbonated or in the bible fermented when you poured it out and it fizzed up that's what this word is. It says that that they were sparkling, they were fizzing, they were they were like a a blossom of light. I mean, again, it's just hard to understand this, but they sparkle with the color of burnished bronze, and that's exactly what we find when Jesus comes to visit John and Patmos from heaven. It says that Jesus, his his feet and his legs are glowing. What you could see under that white robe were sparkling like like brass that just came out of a furnace have you ever seen molten metal i mean look at hawaii's volcano eruptions very similar idea of this glowing sparkling uh, burning appearance continuing look at verse 13 the ones ezekiel described that surround god's throne flash like lightning Verse 13, as for the likeness of the living creatures, this is back to the cherubim, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. Remember, everything around God seems to be consuming with fire and burning. Uh, Like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. So remember, Ezekiel, he didn't say there are torches. He said it's like it. He's just having trouble describing this. He's saying these torches are going back and forth. And the fire, verse 13 says, was bright. And out of the fire goes lightning. I mean, it's just... It, this is just describing what the presence, the holy presence of God is like. Verse 14, living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. And then it adds in verse 16, the appearance of the wheels, the movement, was like barrel. Barrel? I mean, go to Walmart and say, like a can of barrel paint, you know, and they'll go, huh? Give me a swatch, you know, and show me what you're talking about. Well, barrel is, is a very beautiful Old Testament color, and they describe it, in the Old Testament world as a sea blue-green color so think of the ocean and think of the blue-green color well you can think of like Michigan okay blue-green color think of that that watery color and think how amplified it is out in the ocean and that's the the color of this barrel and so think of a barrel with fire and lightning and that's exactly what we find in Revelation and it says that, that the lightnings proceed from the throne and, and the angels standing there, Daniel 10 says, that, that their whole body is the color of beryl with fire and lightning. And so it's, uh, and by the way, beryl is an important, um, remember the high priest wore this uh, little square over his heart, this, this breastplate had 12 stones on it and it was four rows of three in the bottom row the first stone that stone the 10th stone was beryl right there and it's also one of the foundation stones of heaven the 8th remember heaven is built on 12 layers of precious stones number 8 is beryl this beautiful blue green sea color look back in ezekiel 118 when ezekiel saw god's throne it's surrounded by these highly intelligent beings who are covered with eyes it says, as for their rims, verse 18, they were so high, they were awesome. By the way, awesome has lost its meaning in our culture. Everything's awesome. You know, ice cream, awesome. Movie, awesome. You know, it's just awesome. Awesome means provoking fear. It's so overwhelming, it scares you. Kind of like when something is so powerful, you just step back. And, and, and it says that, that it was awesome. They were awesome. It scared them. And their rims were, verse 18, full of eyes all around the four of them. And the eyes speak of intelligence, of sight, of being alive and and processing. And they're just full of these eyes. Highly intelligent, eye-covered beings. That's exactly what Revelation says. Revelation 4.8 describes the same creatures, same eyes. Look at verse 22. The throne of God is surrounded by the glistening crystal that refracts the light of his glory. It says in verse 22, the likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. Now, this, this Hebrew word uh, speaks of ice. And I was thinking of that this week. Um, there was a point of time where it, it snowed and it kind of coated everything. And when the sun came up, it just made ice. Every branch, and, every, and as I was driving out early in the morning, even the weeds, the sun caught them, and they just were glistening with light. And, and that's what this, this, just think of the whole sky being this solid crystal that's refracting the light of God's glory. And that's exactly what we find in Revelation. Chapter 4, it says that there is a, a whole ocean of crystal. We call it the glassy sea, but it's the same word karak, which is crystal. I mean, this is starting to sound like going into some high end shop, you know, with all the glistening diamonds and emeralds and sapphires and crystal cut. But that's what's around God's throne. And then look at verse 24. It says that God's throne is surrounded by these mighty sounds, like mighty waters. Verse 24, and when they went, that's each time these these cherubim are moving back and forth. Remember, it said they were running? They don't really run, they fly, they just move. And when they move they make a sound and the sound of their wings is like the noise of many waters like the voice of the almighty a tumult like the noise of an army and when they stood still they let down their wings and that's exactly what's in revelation and and when jesus speaks his voice is like the sound of many waters it's like niagara falls and and so there's just tremendous sounds around the throne Now look at verse 26. It says the throne of God sparkles like a burning fire. Above the firmament over their heads was the likeness of a throne in appearance like a sapphire stone. Usually that's dark blue. And if it's polished, it's very fiery and and throwing a lot of light. On the likeness of the throne was the likeness of of a man high above it. And also from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw as it were the color of amber amber this is not petrified uh resin from trees this is electrum in the old world the ancient world amber was a combination of gold and silver melted together and then highly polished so that it that it had the the gold's ability not to tarnish and the silver and gold mixed together made it very bright and shiny and so the lord is seen on his throne like amber like glowing metal and uh, the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist downward, I saw the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Um, the throne of God and the one in on the throne sparkles like fire, like, like molten metal, like gold and silver. And that's exactly the description from Revelation. Only Revelation throws in jasper with sapphire. And, and it just is an unbelievable sight in fact, Daniel, as I mentioned, says the whole throne is on fire and that, that a river of fire flows out from before the throne. And so it's just amazing. And finally, the last part, look at verse 28. God's throne is surrounded by the beauty of a rainbow. It says in Ezekiel 128, like the appearance of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day. Now there's something we've all seen. You remember, you're driving along, it's been storming, and all of a sudden someone says, look, and you look. And there, brightly glowing through those rain clouds, are are the seven, or as many of them as you can see, colors of the rainbow. And it says that's what the throne is like, like the appearance, verse 28, of a rainbow in a cloud on a rainy day, so is the appearance of the brightness all around it. I think it's talking about these colors are just alive and just so powerfully radiant. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Now look at this. So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of the one talking. I mean, this description is amazing. Now, why did I do all this? Well, God's Word explains for us in great detail the sounds and the sights around the throne. But now think. That's where what we do here on earth rises you see god is not distracted by the lightning by the sounds of the thunder by all the fire by all those pretty crystal things god is waiting for something to come and rise up before him from us he created us to glorify him he created us to magnify him he created us to worship him and he's sitting on that throne with all that pyrotechnical show going on around him waiting for the worship of his people to rise before him. So in a very real sense, what we do in life, every moment of it, matters. That's why Paul said, set your homepage to that. Because what you say can rise fragrantly before him. What you do can rise fragrantly before him. What you sing can become an offering of worship to him. And can you imagine how much the Lord looks forward to this moment, communion? He says, wow, I'm going to have every one of my redeemed ones thinking about the price I paid on the cross. And I can't wait to see what rises from their heart as they are thankful for my price that I paid for them. Let's bow for a word of prayer and prepare for communion. As the men go and get the elements for us, we've looked this morning... In great detail at where our worship arrives God inhabits our praises God inhabits our worship every time we offer him worship it rises before his throne but as we go into this communion we need to realize how much of what we're doing this very moment matters to the one that's seated on the throne let's ask him to energize our worship father in heaven you who are seated on the throne that we've just gotten a little video clip of this morning, to think that your entire focus is upon the worship that your people, you seek such to worship you. You seek us to worship you, not just one hour on Sunday morning a month. You want every part of our life, all of our choices what we do in secret, what we do in public, what we do at school and work and at home, you want it to be a fragrant offering of worship. And I pray that that's what you'd receive. And as we sing to you this morning, may you truly be our all the best. And may we, as we say those words, say, oh, we love you, Lord. Thank you for the bread, for becoming sin for us so that we would have access and be related to you and now come before you. Thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. The men are going to come and pass the bread to us and we're going to sing this song to the Lord. He's listening. Let's offer it to him. That little bread in your hand is a reminder how much he loves each of us. Jesus became sin. Can you imagine the holy, harmless, undefiled, made separate from sinners, God of the universe, being made thin? And I was thinking, my daughter said that they had a little emergency at the hospital, and they asked her to stick her arm down because something got lodged in the pipe beneath the toilet. And she said, Dad, I had my arm that far down that horrible sewer pipe that was pretty gross for a dad can you imagine becoming sin we don't like sewer god became sin he didn't sin he stuck himself into it for every one of us and that's what he said every time you take this bread that's what this should remind you of i love you that much and so he said, Remember me by saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for forever removing the sin of everyone who will call upon your name in simple faith, trusting you as the substitute thank you that if we believe that you forever will remove our sins from us and that's what we celebrate with that bread but the way you did it is what we remember and thank you for with the cup the cup is a picture of your blood your life poured out you gave every bit of your life as a payment, as a sacrifice poured out over those six hours because you so loved us. And I pray that as we remember what you did on the cross, that sometime in this, this wonderful communion, that we'll reset our home page above and stop living and thinking and moping and meditating and worrying ourselves about things below what a what a liberating thought to have our citizenship in heaven and our minds uh, by choice placed up there it changes how we live on earth and i pray that's what you'd find from us thank you for the cup bless us as we worship you in jesus name we pray amen as a man pass the cup to us let's sing of our redemption to the Lord well this is truly the communion of the alls by partaking in communion we're saying that the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all then we're all dead and that he died for all that they who live this is what Paul says 2nd Corinthians 5 should no longer live for themselves see we are those who have given all back to the lord we reset our home page we give them our attention we reset our calendar we make time for them every day we reset our prayers we say what do you want me to do in life i know where i'm headed i know the most i can't take most of this stuff with me i can only take people with me what do you want me to do and all that is renewed when we hold this cup and we say jesus said this cup is a new covenant See, he made a covenant with us. He died for us, we live for him. The new covenant that's in my blood, do this as oft as you drink it, remembering me. Let's partake together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this cup of blessing. We love you and want to worship you. And we want you to get all of our lives. Help us to set our mind Above, today and in the days ahead, and for your glory we pray. Amen. (laughs)